So there's um, an episode of The Office where, <laughs> yeah, sorry, uh, if you've watched The Office where uh, a bat gets into the office and, um, and Dwight catches the bat and he ends up, uh, he puts a bag over it, but he also puts a bag over Meredith's head at the same time. And so the bat and Meredith are inside this bag and, and Dwight gets the bat out and Meredith ends up getting bitten by the bat as many of you guys know. Um, and then she ends up going to the hospital to be, because uh, they're concerned about her having rabies. And then Michael, in a wonderful Michael moment, do you remember what he does? He says, we've got to do something about this, guys. He says, we have to, um, we've, we've got to raise awareness for rabies. And so he organizes a Michael Scott fun run um, to organize and to, to try to raise money for rabies awareness. And then at one point, Jim points out that Michael is uh, raising money for a disease that, and don't miss this, that's very well known, and number two, we have the cure for, okay? And, and, and I'll, I'll say that again, that there's a problem, and Jim points out, hey, we have the cure for this problem. You've got this guy over here that's losing his mind and won't listen to reason, but the reality is we have the answer okay and so this is uh, I think this is a funny illustration because it's a pretty good picture as well that the world and, and please don't miss what I'm saying here guys have you noticed that the world is losing their mind right now people's um, false sense of security has been removed people are realizing that their idea of control has been an illusion the whole time that we're not in control of anything. It's, and remember, it's not that we've lost control. It's that we've lost the illusion of control. And people are losing their minds and they're looking for answers everywhere. And when an answer, uh, when they look here for an answer and it doesn't work out, what they do is they just point to someone that they can blame and go on to the next one. And then here's what I want to point out and make sure that we don't miss. Guys, the church has the answer. The church has the answer. And in the same way that Michael organizes and puts all this effort into this fun run, into, into something that he's trying to find an answer for, we already have a solution for, that's why Jesus put the church on earth. is because the church is the hands and feet of Jesus, and the world is losing their minds, and the reality is, and hear me say this, somebody needs what you have. Somebody needs what you have, your story, your heart, your listening ears. Somebody desperately needs that. And, and if we believe the God of the Bible, and if we believe the Bible, we have to remember that God says, anything I'm going to do on earth, I'm going to do it through what? Through my church. That's what he says. He says, that's the purpose of the church. It's my hands and feet. And so... <clears throat> And so please, church, um, hear, me, hear me say this and receive this. Uh, there's a lot of warning passages in Scripture, and even sometimes I stand up here and, and I'll just preach a warning message, not to, not to, not to be afraid or um, to, to make you feel guilty, but <clears throat> remember, guys, don't fall asleep. Don't believe the lies. Okay, um, that sounds really uh, a conspiracy theorist of me. What I mean is on social media, 
when people are constantly displaying an image of, look how peaceful I am, look how happy I am, look how I've got it all together, look how I don't struggle, look how my skin is perfect, look how my hair is never messed up, look how my children never have struggle, look how my life is perfect, look how my job is exactly how I want it to be. Please hear me say this, church, don't believe that. People are hurting, people are lonely, People need the gospel, and we have the answer. And they are constantly looking for something that the answer and the solution has been given. And so, so this is what I'm saying is, church, please don't fall asleep. This is just straight from, from the Bible. It says, don't fall asleep, or it says, be on guard, right? Be aware of what's going on. Recognize that these images that people put in front of you, it's false and it's hollow, Okay, this idea that everybody's portraying, I'm perfect, I'm great, I have no problems. Guys, people are hurting, and they need what you have. People need the peace of Jesus, okay? And so this is why we've asked the question, um, specifically kind of in the past month or two as a church, we've started to turn the corner a little bit. I hope you've noticed it. We've done it slowly, because if you turn a boat too fast, when people fall out, so we've been slowly turning the, turning the ship. I hope you've noticed. Um, and the idea is that we're starting to be more out, outward focused, and we really are still trying to answer the question, why are we here? Okay? And that's not the philosophy question of, why are any of us here, man? But what I mean is, no, why are we here? Right? Like, if we truly believe that God has called us uh, to, to this specific time um, and at this specific place, then, then what is the specific purpose of us being here, like located here? And, and the question we ask, and I think it's a fair question, is what we want to do is we want to look around where the Lord has put us, and we really want to ask this question, if God has put me here, then what difference would there be if we weren't here? You follow me on that? And so that's true of our, let's start with our church um, corporate. If God has really called 903 Church right here, I mean, in this physical location, then if we draw a, you know, a two-mile uh, radius circle around us, we need to start asking the question, what difference would there be if we're not here? Because if a, if a satellite fell from the uh, space and crashed into our church right now and we we're all blown up and went to meet Jesus, that should affect our community, right? What difference would there be if we're not here? Uh, it's the same thing with our jobs. If we feel like the Lord has called me to this specific job, what difference would there be if I'm not here? It's the same thing at, at, with our schools, uh, with our sports teams that we're on. And, and especially, guys, it's the same thing with our neighborhoods. And this is why we're really emphasizing starting in our neighborhoods is if, if we truly believe that, that God put us here, then we should have some sort of impact. Okay, and, and I love what Mindy said. It's this idea of uh, we want to harvest a, a, a crop. We want to, to bear fruit. But I love what you said is this idea of, of sometimes what we do is we just work the soil. You know, that's the first thing. I like that when you said, you said any, any gardeners in here and nobody raised their hand. So it's like, okay, this is a terrible illustration because no one's going to understand it. But, but it's exactly what you said. If you want to grow a crop, if you want to grow fruit, if you want to grow whatever, um, the first thing you do is you don't plant a seed. What do you do? You work the soil. 
You've got to go put in some, a little bit of labor, a little bit of effort. And I guarantee you, immediately after working the soil, you will not have a harvest. I guarantee it, right? It takes a little bit of time, and sometimes you plant seeds, and sometimes you're the one that waters. But remember, the, the Bible says, uh, Paul says this, he says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God caused the growth. Okay, so this is why we're trying to answer this question, uh, why are we here? Gosh, because we want to make a difference, um, especially, uh, you know, since we're called, uh, since we are the salt of the earth. You know that verse that says that we're supposed to be the salt of the earth? No, there's not a verse. It says you are the salt of the earth, right? Um, it, it, you know the verse that says, hey, you guys should be the light of the world? You know that verse? No, correct. It says what? You are the light of the world. And what we know about salt and light is that it has an effect. It has an effect. It cannot be effectless. And that's who we are. And that's why we always want to push ourselves to have an effect. And really one of the big reasons, and maybe this is selfish, is I don't want to waste my life. I don't want to waste my life. You know, uh, people, you still hear people say this a lot, that, um, that when people first meet Jesus, that there's no crying in heaven. My Bible doesn't say that. Where, where are you getting that? My Bible says that when some people come face to face with Jesus, this is what it says. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eye. Y'all know that verse? And, and so this is the reality is that some people, when we come face to face with Jesus, when our faith becomes sight, some people are going to sob they are going to sob because at that moment they realize I wasted my life. I, I chased my kingdom. I chased my bank account. So, so keep an eye out for that. That's false teaching is this idea, man, people will cry in heaven when they come face to face with Jesus. Some people will sob and he will say, it's, it's okay. It's okay. Come on in, Right? Um, and so this is why I want, us, uh, I want to make sure that we're not ineffective. We want to be fruitful. We want to be uh, life-giving. Uh, we want to start being outward-focused, okay? Um, you know, we don't want to be, in our culture, it's a very consumer-driven culture, even in the church. You know, well, I would even say especially in churches, you know, uh, because even the fact that there's a phrase called church shopping, that I say that, and nobody in this room is going, what is church shopping? Everybody knows exactly what it is, and what church shopping is, is uh, the other day, like, uh, Kinsey and I were in um, Dallas, and we had some time to kill, and we're like, hey, let's just run to the mall and, and walk around it, and we just did some window shopping, and, and when you window shop, literally, what are you doing? You're just walking along, and, and by the way, I'm not investing in anything I'm not actually going in. I walk along and I look at a store and what's the, what's the only question I ask? What does this store appeal to or who does it, how does it appeal to who? Me, right? Every single store I walk along. Oh, here's a women's dress store. Not interested. Here's a, a, a store, uh, uh, a sunglasses store. I don't need shades. I look cool without them. I keep moving, right? Um, Here's a store. Okay, here's a men's store. And, and what do I do? If it piques my interest, I slow down and I look in. And if it, everything fits, you know, can I see Russell wearing this gear? Yes, I said gear. And uh, 
if it fits, I go in. And that's, and that's, that's our culture. It's this consumer-driven me, 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 me. You know? and, and one of the illustrations I've, I've said before, and I really like it, is um, if you know the terrain of Israel, here, I'll draw it for you, imagine, um, is, you know, you got Israel here. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> and you've got the Sea of Galilee up here. And then you've got the Jordan River, and then you have this other body of water called the Dead Sea right below it, right? And so what I want you to remember, and I love this illustration, is the, 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 the same water that feeds the Sea of Galilee is the same water that feeds the Dead Sea. Are you with me on this? They don't have different sources. They have the same source, okay? But if you visit the Sea of Galilee and you visit the Dead Sea, they are drastically different. The, the Sea of Galilee has life in it. It has all sorts of fish, even around it, it because it's, uh, it has all this water coming in, and it is uh, giving life to the surrounding area, because the Sea of Galilee has water flowing in, but it also has water that flows out, okay? The Dead Sea, on the other hand, only takes, it only takes water in. It doesn't flow out. And the thing about the Dead Sea, it's called the Dead Sea, not because it doesn't have any nutrients. The Dead Sea, the water of the Dead Sea is so nutrient-packed. Don't miss this. It has so much nutrients in it that nothing can live in it. It is so nutrient-packed that anything that tries to survive will die. And so there's no fish in it. There is no plants around it. I've heard that birds won't even fly over it. I've been in it a couple times, and it has so much salt in it that if it gets in your eyes, man, you know it. Like they have all these showers right outside where you go get in, because if it gets in your eyes, it seriously, seriously hurts. And it's this, it's this great image of the Dead Sea. It's like a Dead Sea Christian. It's like Dead Sea faith, that it's this faith that all it does is consume. It says, I, I just, me, it's all about me. And it's this image of this Christian, and, and we've all struggled with this. I'll be fair, I'll be fair. We've all struggled with this of, what do I get out of this? What, what's, what's in it for me? How do you serve me? I'm not being fed. And this is Dead Sea faith that it just give, it consumes and it consumes and it never, ever stops and actually pours out into others. And because of it, that is a dead faith. These are, the, these are the people, and it might be us, that when we walk in a room, all we're doing is we're looking at other people to satisfy my needs. I'm looking at you to satisfy me. I'm looking at horizontal relationships to make me happy. And then you have these people, and, and you've probably been through seasons of that. Maybe you're in a season of it right now, that you're experiencing Sea of Galilee faith that you are being poured into from the Lord and from others, and as a result, you are pouring out life into others. You know these people? That, that when they walk in a room, like they bring life into the room. That these are the people that you sit down to have a cup of coffee or um, to have a Coke with. And when you walk away from the table, you feel like life has been breathed into you. Do you all know these people, by the way? And you, some of them are in this room as well, by the way. We've got some good folks here, right? And this is Sea of Galilee faith. And so I want us I want to answer, look at these two different things. Go to, go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Again, I want us to compare these two ideas of uh, are, are we just looking to consume? Is it all about me? Or are we looking to, to 
uh, pour out into others because one brings life and peace and one brings uh, death. It really does. And so go to 2 Peter chapter 1. Uh, like always, anything I say, I want it to come straight from Scripture. So 2 Peter chapter 1, we'll just start in verse 1. And this is really on the subject of what is dead sea faith. What does it mean to have dead sea faith? Uh, chapter, uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus have, and look at this, have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3, His divine power has given us everything we need for what's the word right there what's it say godliness does anyone say anything different godly life yeah mine says life and godliness so don't miss that the the christian life should be about that it should be about life it should be about breathing in life and breathing out life to others. Uh, his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given... Uh, I suppose you want to be blessed. Bless you. <laughs> through these, He has given uh, people don't get blessed anymore when they sneeze because everyone's afraid of you like that's that's why i've started blessing people because now you sneeze in a store and people are like like so anyways uh come on russell focus verse four through these he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Verse 5, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness love for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, pay attention right here, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, so pause there. This is, this is what Peter has just said. Sorry, it took a long time to get there. But he says, there are people who love Jesus. There are people who are believers. There are people who have the divine nature, who have the Holy Spirit in them, but they are still living in effective lives. They are living fruitless lives. That's what Peter just said. It's, it's not necessarily a difference of are you saved or not. He says, no, there are people who are saved, yet they're not experiencing their salvation. Are you with me on that? Is that something can be true, but you not necessarily be experiencing it. Are you following me on that? Like how I can be married to my wife, but I could live as if I'm not, right? And, and so make sure that's, 
Because I see so many Christians that we settle uh, for just being, uh, and, we, and we don't actually pursue what it means to experience that thing, but that's for a whole different thing. And so the question is, if there's people who know the Lord but live ineffective lives, if you're a thinking person, which that narrows some of y'all out right there, but the question is why and, and how is someone ineffective? And he answers, look in verse 9, he says right here, but if anyone does not have them, that's this uh, knowledge of the Lord, he is, and look at what he says right here, he is nearsighted and blind. He has, what's the word right there? Forgotten. That he has been cleansed from his past sins. He has forgotten not his actions. He has forgotten who he is. This is an identity issue. Uh, the word I have written down, and you may even write this next into your Bible, this person is experiencing spiritual amnesia. Okay, They have forgotten who they are. They have forgotten what it means to be in Christ. I, and I have this written down. I'm, I'm just going to read these, and if you're taking notes, I'd write this down. Identity amnesia leads to identity replacement, always. And what I mean is I said this, if I'm not getting my identity vertically, if I'm not getting my identity vertically, then I will always try to get it satisfied horizontally. Are you with me on that? And this is what we've, I, I just explained. If I am not finding my peace and my truth and my source in Jesus, do you know what I'm going to do? Who am I going to look to? You. I'm going to look to you. I'm going to look to my job. And, and this is why you have uh, marriages. I mean, we could, any relationship at all, this is why you have marriages that you have two spouses looking to each other for their life. And it's, it's like two leeches trying to suck the life out of each other. It doesn't work, right? And, and our pattern over and over and over, and we start this from when, from when we're little and we teach our kids to do this, is we look horizontally. We find our identity in what we do. This is even when children are, even when they're four, five, six years old, what's the question we ask them about their future? We say, what do you want to be when you grow up. We place all of even children's identity in not who you are now, but what a silly loaded question, by the way. What do you want to be when you grow up? What are they asking? What's your, what's your career? What's your job? What are you going to do? And I want my girls, I want them, when someone asks that, I want them to go, what do you talk? What am I going to be? I'm going to be me. Are you asking what I'm going to do to make money? Okay, yeah, here's the answer for that. But point being, if, if we're not finding our purpose and our peace vertically, we will always look horizontally, and that horizontal relationship will always fail you. And then what we do is when it doesn't work out, who do, what do we do? We point fingers and we start blaming each other, and then we go to the next one, right? You can see this with any relationship, is that relationship will reach its peak because you, that can't satisfy you, you blame them, and then you move on, right? And the reason that is is because Look at, look at me. I love you guys, and you love me. I'm assuming I just said that. I just spoke for you, right? But I am not designed to be your source for life. You know that, right? And in the same way, you are not designed to be my source for life. My children are not designed to do that. And you still hear people say that, my kids are my life. No, they're not. Because when you do that, you're placing a burden on that person that they are not 
made to bear. It is outside of their design. Um, Imagine this. I recently, I talk about my truck a lot. I swear I'm not that materialistic. Uh, But, you know, I've had, I had that 2002 uh, Dodge Ram, um, and I'd always talk about how it's got about 230,000 miles, and I'd always joke, man, it's just getting broke in. And what I found out was it's not getting broke in, it's actually just broken, okay? Uh, this last week, a week and a half ago, the crankshaft just broke off. I'm just driving along, you know, shucking and jiving, having a great time, and it just, all hell broke loose underneath my truck. Like, it was bad. And so, she has since gone on to be with the Lord, okay? Moment of silence for her. Uh, but she's gone. She is done. Um, and so her, her, her dead and rotting corpse is in my front yard right now. Thanks, neighbors, for letting me do that for a while. Um, uh, why am I talking about this? Why was the whole reason this? Oh, the point being is that I have to have a truck uh, for work because I pull trailer and I haul a bunch of tools and stuff. Now, I want you to imagine this. I want you to imagine that I say, hey, or you come up and you say, hey, did you get a new ride for work? And I said, yes. And I said, it's, it's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. And and now I want you to imagine that four weeks later I come back and I say, hey, this new ride is not working out. This thing is terrible. Like, it it doesn't have any power when I'm pulling a trailer, and I I can hardly fit any tools in the back. And by the way, my work truck also has to be a taxi for a four-year-old and an eight-year-old, okay? And I tell you, there's no room for my kids in the back. And I said, this this car that I bought is a piece of junk. And now I imagine you walk outside and sitting out there is a 1967 uh, Corvette Stingray. Now, now hear me say this. Is that a piece of junk? No. That is a sweet ride. What's the problem? It is I am asking it to do something it's not designed to do. If you walk out and I have that 1967 Corvette Stingray, and I have my 16-foot enclosed trailer hooked up to the back of it. What do you do? You laugh, and you say, Russell, I love you, but you're an idiot. And your frustration is not focused on the actual problem. What's the real problem? I'm the problem. I have, I have, I have placed a burden on that thing that it is not designed to bear. And this is what we do when we start looking horizontally for people to satisfy me. If I place that burden on you, 10 times out of 10, what's going to happen? Maybe the first week, I'm like, hey, this is great, but give it enough time and what's going to happen? I'm going to say, this, this isn't working out. This is not working. No, it's, it's not that it's not working. It's that you're, you're an idiot, Russell, because that is a nice car, by the way. And if I operate that car and have in design, uh, within its design, it is a perfect piece of machinery. But this is what we do uh, with those uh, relationships. And so um, all this to say, this is what I, I asked the question, what's Dead Sea faith? I mean, that's what Peter says right here. Is he says, these people have forgotten. It's spiritual amnesia. It's that we forget this horizontal relationship, and then we look to the vertical, and that will always, always let you down. We forget we're unfruitful. We seek our identity uh, horizontally. And then the second question I have here, if that's what Dead Sea faith is, then what is Sea of Galilee uh, faith? So flip over, uh, go to Philemon 
So go left a little bit. If you get to Hebrews, it's just to the left of Hebrews. If you get to First and Second Timothy, go a little bit to the right. So Philemon, this is on the subject of what does Sea of Galilee faith look like? What is this faith that is life giving that doesn't just consume? What is this faith that breathes life into others? Right? Uh, go to uh, Philemon um, chapter one. There's only one chapter, but just start in verse four. We're just going to read a little bit. Verse 4, uh, this is Paul, and he said, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Verse 6, this is where we're going to focus. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. And so Paul has this prayer that he's saying to them, I want you to breathe life into others. That faith that's in you, I want you to be active in sharing it to others. And the reason for that isn't just so you can say you're active in sharing your faith. I love that what he says, the reason it's good for us to share our faith is why? So that you'll have a full understanding of every good thing that we have um, in Christ. This is why at our church, this is why we're emphasizing this so much. This is, this is the purpose behind emphasizing outreach. Uh, w- when I grew up in church, there was always a big emphasis on share your faith, share your faith, share your faith. And, and really what was communicated was the idea we want you to share your faith is because we need more people in church and, and we want more tushies in these seats, right? And, and it was this, it, and, and even for me as like a middle schooler, I was like, that, this doesn't make sense. Like you, you want me to share my faith just so we can have other people here so they can share their faith just so they can have other people. That's just consumer driven Christianity, right? But what, what Paul's saying is his concern is, no, I want you to do that, but Why? Because and he says it's for your good that we would be active in sharing our faith. It's for your good because then that leads to us having a full understanding of everything that we have in Christ. And I'd never heard that that it's good for me to do it. That's why we're doing this seed sower project. That's why we've been emphasizing it as a church. Um, that's why we're talking about man, work the soil, plant some seeds. Sometimes you water. Uh, sometimes you pull weeds sometimes you chase off rabbits and sometimes you you get to harvest uh the fruit and and look here he says uh the reason is so that we have a full understanding of every good thing we have in christ this is in uh direct opposition to what we just talked about that idea of spiritual amnesia this is what it means to remember to know to have a full understanding of what we have um, in christ this the reality is that man who uh, do you want to know who i think about more than anyone else on earth me and do you want to know my guess now this is a guess i may be wrong but my guess is, do you want to know who Leighton thinks about more than anyone on earth? My guess is probably who? Carrie, no, don't point. Don't do, you need to look straight ahead and not say anything. 
My guess is Leighton thinks about who? Probably Leighton, right? Uh, my guess is Joseph, probably you think more than anyone else about, right? That's my guess. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe someone does it. But if, if, if I had to bet on it, I would bet that all of us, who's number one in our utmost of our affections? All of us. This guy right here. And, and here's the reality is the Bible says, hey, we do need to think about ourselves, but we need to make sure we're thinking about the right things, okay? Because usually we're thinking the wrong things, and we forget, we fall back into that spiritual amnesia. And, and even what Paul says in Philemon, he says, I want you to remember, think about these things um, of what you have in Christ. This, again, guys, it goes back to an identity issue. Is like, this is what it means when we say that you're in Christ. D- don't, don't miss me on this, is that when God looks at you, he doesn't see you, he sees Jesus, and that God is committed. Did you know, is it, which is more true? God is committed to Russell or God is committed to Christ? It's kind of a trick question because Russell is Christ now. But the idea is that God is committed to God. And, and that faith is God's faith. And that He is faithful, right? Uh, we get an image of this in Christian marriage, okay? And please don't miss what a marriage is. A marriage is looking at someone else and you stand up in front of witnesses and you stand up in front of the Lord and you enter into this covenant and you say, hey, no matter what happens in sickness, in health, in rich, in poor, in what are the other ones? Goodness, badness, I can't remember. I'm better at this when I marry people, I promise. Um, but you say, no matter what happens, you know what? I'm not going anywhere, right? This is an image of what it means when we talk about every good thing we have in Christ. And so I want to paint a picture for you uh, real quick. I want you to imagine, um, imagine there's uh, a couple over here that, that the husband or the wife is doing something stupid. And I want you to imagine that they look at their spouse and they say, hey, listen, pal. Either you fix it or I'm out of here. Either you stop doing that thing or I'm leaving you. Okay? And now, as long as there's not you know, physical abuse, that, that's a different story. But I want you to imagine, or we'll, just, we'll, we'll make it super realistic. Imagine the wife looks at the husband and says, hey, you need to stop buying things without my permission. And if you don't, I am leaving you. Is, is there any life in that marriage? And is there any commitment? No. Is there any peace? No. That marriage is filled with fear, and that marriage is filled with manipulation. Now, I want you to imagine this, another picture of marriage, which, by the way, this is what it means when we say every good thing we have in Christ. I want you to imagine another marriage where, and I'll make it extremely realistic. Imagine this is a marriage where the husband is struggling through a pornography addiction, and the wife is standing here, and I want you to imagine the wife looks at him, and she says this, Hey, um, I want you to know that we, you may struggle through this for the next 60 years, but I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to struggle through it with you. I'm committed to you. Is that a marriage of life and grace? Yes. And that is what it means when, when Paul says every good thing we have in Christ. Because here's the reality is, is don't forget this. God expects more failure out of you than you do yourself. I hope you know that, right? But he is committed 
to Christ in you. It is not this over here where God says, hey, bub, you better fix it or I'm having second thoughts. It's this commitment over here that that the Lord looks at you. And by the way, he already knows. And he says, hey, you may struggle through this thing for the next 60 years and I am right here with you. That's what it means when, when Paul says, you have every good thing in Christ. And by the way, that's, that's what it means to have sea of Galilee faith, is that you have an understanding of that and you're constantly poured into and you're constantly pouring into others. And let me say this also, is um, you know, we're always struggling with giving grace to others. Some people in this room, I'm convinced, what you need to do is, is still need to learn how to give grace to yourself. Because here's, here's the reality. I'm just going to be real for a second. I'm just going to be really, really re- real. You may look at yourself in the mirror, and, and, and I pray that you can look at yourself and recognize, you know what, Russell, you may struggle with this thing for the next 60 years, but it's okay. And, and not only do we have to extend grace to others, but gosh, we have to extend grace to ourselves. Why is that? Because that's what Christ has done for us, and it does constantly. He's constantly extending grace. And so the last thing I have here is, you know, we've talked about Dead Sea faith. We've talked about Sea of Galilee faith. I just have the question written down, what do I do? Like, what's the, what's the thing? And there's one time I, I sat down with a guy, and uh, it was a couple years ago, and we were just talking through some things. And he's a Christian man, and I had that question that we all ask, what am I supposed to do? Like, what's the next thing to do? And his answer was short and to the point, and it's it has stuck with me. He looked at me, he says, Russell, you do the next right thing. You do the next right thing. And, and this is what it means to walk in faith. By the way, this is what it means to walk in this sea of Galilee faith is that when the Lord says, hey, just do this, what do we do? We say, okay, I can do that. So like context, like yesterday I was, I was still fixing up uh, that new truck that I bought. It's not new, but it's new to me. And I, I'm, uh, I was going to Lowe's. I'm trying to get the camper shell to where it's watertight for my tools. And so I'd been outside cleaning it for a couple hours. And I, was, I had you know, a t-shirt on. I sweat a lot. And it was soaking wet. And I had my hat on. And I had my short shorts on. It's just what I rock, okay? If you look this good, you would too. Um, and, and so just sweaty, dirty. And I'd run to Lowe's to get some stuff. And I was driving back. And, and so in the context of this, of this local initiative is Kinsey and I have been actively trying to meet our neighbors, but just like everybody in this room, we haven't met all of them because sometimes our schedules just miss. You know, there's been a couple houses we've gone to and we've knocked on the door and no one's home or they didn't want to open the door. And so like everybody, we're, we're putting out effort, we're working the soil, but sometimes we still don't get any result. And so I was driving back to our house and I, I remember I was driving past this house that we hadn't met the people yet, and I glanced over and I noticed that all the cars were in the driveway, and so I was like, oh, he's, I guess, I guess they're home. And I, I'm telling you, God said, now. And I said, really? And he said, now. And, and so I put my car in reverse, and I pulled into the driveway, and old sweaty, disgusting Russell in his short shorts walked up. This is my first impression, by the way. Um, and, and met the guy, and it was, guys, it was, uh, Mindy said this phrase when we first started this, it was so life-giving. 
it was so good. Because right now, two things. When you are someone's neighbor, you, you have an in into their life, number one. And number two, this, uh, the, the COVID thing, what that has allowed is, by the way, it has allowed you to ask questions of people that six months ago you couldn't ask. You notice that, right? It has allowed you to be a little bit more personal with people, whereas six or nine months ago, people would have said, it's none of your business, right? And so it's even the mercy of God. But guys, I'm telling you, it was just this moment of what do I do? The next right thing. I'm driving along. I hadn't planned on it. Honestly, I didn't want to. I'll just say that. I thought to myself, this is a terrible time. But God just said, do it. And I sat on his porch and talked for five minutes. And he was really nice. Uh, He was really nice. And he talked about my truck. People love that truck for some reason. It's a diesel. I should have got it years ago. I'm always trying to figure out how do I make friends and how do I talk to guys. You buy a 7.3 liter diesel. That's how. I'm not making this up. At least five times this week, even sometimes total strangers, this is the conversation I've had, completely off topic. They'll walk up, is that the 7.3? Yeah. It's a good engine. <laughs> like, and that's it. <laughs> that's happened five times this week. Uh, but anyways, my, my, even, even my neighbor, I'm not even joking, that, that moment where I said, yes, I'll go talk to him. At one point, he glances out. Is that the 7.3 or the 6.5? The 7.3? It's a good engine. <laughs> but guys, I've worked the soil. You know what I mean? Did I plant any seeds? Maybe. Did I harvest a fruit? I don't really think so. Did I see any growth? Maybe a little bit, but I worked the soil and it's ready, okay? And so please, gosh, we want to be people that were the Sea of Galilee. We're not the Dead Sea that we just consume and, and we have so much knowledge of Jesus and we know all the right Christian things to say, but on the inside, we're like, we're like a sponge that we've soaked everything up. And if you don't squeeze a sponge out, do you know what happens? It becomes sour and gross and people want nothing to do with that. And I bet everybody's been through that season of their life where you just want to take in and take in and take in, and uh, there's no life there. Uh, Let me pray for us. Uh, We're going to take communion here, um, and we're super duper fancy. It's grape juice. You can pour your own because you're adults. Uh, If you can't pour your own grape juice, I'll also help you buckle up the seat in your car on your way home because you probably can't do that either. Um, But the the big one here is regular bread, gluten-free for those with delicate tummies like Leighton. That's the little one there. And here we practice. Uh, he's a delicate flower and we have to protect him. Um, but we practice open communion and that means any, you don't have to be a member of the church. Um, and, um, and, and yeah, and so what we're gonna do is I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna do our worship time here at the end. And listen guys, if you wanna sit for a minute, that's okay. If you wanna do it quickly, that's okay. That's completely Um, up to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for today, and thank you for your church, and thank you for the faith that you give us. And God, I pray that we would be people that are life-giving, that where we go, there's just life, and that we wouldn't just suck up resources, and we wouldn't just suck the life out of a room. And Lord, I pray that to do that, we would understand uh, every good thing that we have in Christ, that we would understand your commitment to us, that we would understand that you are absolutely committed to Jesus Christ in us. And then if that's true, then there's no fear. We don't have to be afraid. We get to just live. 
and we get to go to our neighbor's house sweaty in short shorts because I'm, I don't look to him to satisfy. I don't. And so even if I'm rejected, it's okay because he's not my life, God. And so I pray that we would just be people that we'd constantly be holding on to that vertical relationship so that we could pull these horizontal relationships in closer to you. Um, God, that is um, our prayer. Amen.